0: Has come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space welcome to talk tank
1: you've reached the talk tank the official LSE entrepreneurs podcast where we delve into the minds of those who think live and breathe outside the box my name is alki and i will be your host for today Today's episode is part of our Bits and Bytes series, which is dedicated to innovation and technology at the heart of society's change. I am very excited to introduce our guest, Lola Lafia, who studies architecture and computer science at Columbia, but took a year off from university to co-found Chefs. Chefs is a mission-driven social platform by and for university students, which pushes up against passive and shallow interactions on existing social networks. It aims to knock down barriers to knowledge and ideas by creating spaces in which young people can have meaningful conversations about topics they actually care about. Chefs has hosted over 350 events with nearly 1,000 students from over 90 global universities. Welcome to the Talk Tank, Lola. We are so excited to have you on. Wow.
0: Hey, Alki. That was a bomb intro. So cool. (laughs) Hello. I'm so happy to be here.
1: So we've introduced you, but we'd
0: like to hear a short elevator pitch in your own words. Who is Lola? Totally. The the most difficult, but most exciting question to answer always. All of a sudden you have to think about who the flip you are. It's crazy. Um, All right. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, I'm Lola. I'm... 20 years old. I'm currently taking time off college, so that feels less a part of my immediate sort of context for my identity. Um, Let's see. I was born in San Francisco, um, moved to New York, to Brooklyn when I was two with my family, um, and grew up there, lived there ever since. Um, And then I finished two years at Columbia studying CS, but also a little bit of architecture and philosophy and creative writing. Um, And then when COVID happened, I immediately knew that I wanted to take some time off school and sort of experiment with the world and universe outside of the academic setting for literally the first time since I was four years old. Um, so I moved to California. I spent the fall living with 20 other young women who are all studying tech adjacent fields, um, who all took the semester off to come and live together and form this quasi think tank X incubator X alternative to residential college life. And, um, spend time working on on projects and living and learning together um and then i moved to san francisco in december uh and now live in this really crazy wonderful intentional community with 12 15 other adults we're all working in totally different areas but i've come together to kind of share this space as a hotbed for social experimentation um and I also work at a startup called Kibo, um, that's combining van life and community. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I would generally define myself as someone who is absurdly excited and enthused to be alive and to experiment with reality and push boundaries of reality. And I find real pleasure in the totally insane adventure and challenge that is life both on micro and macro scales so I've recently been telling people that yeah I'm on this fucking adventure I'm I'm living I'm living I'm trying to live I'm trying to figure it out
1: thank you thank you Lola I think you've given our listeners a little preview of what is to come and some of the topics we will explore but before we delve deeper into your experience I'd like to start in a perhaps unlikely place our team did a deep dive through your LinkedIn and your website. And we saw that you have a lot of different interests, some of which you just mentioned. So photography, coding, um, entrepreneurship, writing, acting. I'm curious, what did you want to become when you were younger? What
0: what was your dream job? Oof, whoa. Um, I think I, it's always interesting to answer that question because I think I grew up in a super super fortunate family that was always encouraging me to be whatever I wanted now or in the present in real time, um, and so I never really had this this conception that there would be one thing that I would do when I grew up. I didn't even know what growing up meant. Um, I was, yeah, in- encouraged to live hyper-presently and experiment with whatever it was that was currently captivating my interest at any given moment, which maybe in some ways has resulted in me in moments feeling like I know a little bit of everything and not a lot of one thing, but obviously I'm 20, so that's okay. Um, but I don't know. I grew up feeling like I had a different micro-childish imaginary career-, career every different year, and um, from writing to coding to photography, like you said. Um, I will say that I think one through line since maybe I was like 15, 16 was performance art and, and an obsession with that identity and practice as a way to combine a lot of my interests and sort of, yeah, if, uh, I think like artists like Marina Abramovich who, uh, practice endurance art where they sort of Pick a, a task for themselves and do it repetitively over a certain period of time, and and use use their bodies as a material for a living art piece. I think performance art to me blew or uh, blurred the lines between fiction and the real, um, and I always f- sort of a, a- aspired to embody um, embody this ethos of a performance artist who's not. Quite an actor, but not quite sort of like a visual artist or even a filmmaker that that makes work and then presents it's sli- late presents it later. Um, it's it's a real time fusion of imagination and play and also yourself and using yourself and your mind and your flesh as a physical material. So maybe I've always wanted to be a performance artist. I've done a couple performance pieces, maybe if you'd even call them that. I wore. All white colored clothes for an entire year during my sophomore year of college every single day every item was white um that to me felt like something i could control and do incrementally every day um
1: i'm i'm curious about this um this project that you did the the performance i think you called it a performance piece um (laughs) with the white clothes for a year what what was behind that
0: yeah i think so i took this creative writing class um my freshman spring it was a seminar with about 15 people and we basically spent every week writing about art um, both reflecting on various art, art forms of all mediums um, from other writing to performance pieces to visual art sculpture um, but then also sort for the first time ever framed writing as this art piece itself or as a performance piece and 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 at one point I did a little write-up for a proposal for a performance piece that I was sort of imagining and I never thought I'd actually do it and and then a couple weeks went by and I was like wow yeah so in this piece was sort of like a stream of consciousness of of of, of um creating a kind of uniform for myself and what that would do to my sense of self and relationship to material items and also to body image and, and how I present myself and carry myself through the world and and, and so in, in writing, I found this ability to be the complete conductor of, of every facet of the world that you are creating within, on the page, within the page. Um, and, and so to really take liberty in like inventing worlds through writing. And so I, I've invented this world where it was, it was me, but sort of a character of me and I was wearing white every day. And then I sort of stepped away and was like, oh, wow, I could actually do that. Um, so I, you know, posted, I started telling my friends that I was planning on doing this starting September. I posted on Facebook groups, friends and people I didn't even know in some of my classes classes came and brought me clothes, white extra clothes that they had had because I had read about the project and they were interested. And I spent the summer curating this wardrobe. Um, And then September 1st embarked on this experiment, had no idea what it was going to yield, felt sort of strangely compelled to do it, to sort of have control over picking something that's so ultimately arbitrary, but would proceed to like deeply affect my relationship to my exterior. Um, so I, I was kind of quite literally this blank canvas every single day of the year. Um, and, and, and it was really important. And I haven't really done anything with it. I was thinking of turning it into a writing piece or a video, but actually I, I've rejected at creating something with it in sort of post-production because it was so deeply experiential. The point of it was for me. It was for nobody else, and I don't know. We don't do many things for that purpose, for the purpose of doing them themselves these days, and it, it was so simultaneously like the biggest part of my life because I was, was something... I'd never done anything for this long, but also deeply irrelevant because it's just your clothes and your clothes don't matter Um, but they do shape your perception of yourself and how people see you and people would start to notice that I was doing this and then my friends would introduce me as a girl who wore only white clothes and then that was really cool because it was fun to be recognized for something as like kind of immediately absurd as that but then also felt like reductive like by the 120th day of wearing white clothes, it was like, I don't even care about my white clothes. They have nothing to do with me, but they're a core part of how I'm perceived. I don't know. So so it was a great, almost trivial and personally profound way of attempting to, yeah, to lace in or to weave in a performance piece long term into my life. That's
1: incredible it's it's so simple and so radical at the same time radical mm. in the sense that you know maybe for you it wasn't <laughs> radical but for so many people who really define themselves by you know how they look or they see their clothes almost as a yeah i guess as a expression of of how they want to be perceived by everyone I feel mm. like for a lot of people to do that, it would be very radical. Um, but I'd like to talk about Chefs. So yes. I'm excited to talk about Chefs for so many reasons. But okay. I thought we'd start by setting the scene for anyone who hasn't heard of Chefs. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is and how it how the whole
0: idea started? Of course. Um, so Chefs is this platform for college students to lead and join intimate, themed conversations on topics of their choice, from climate change to consciousness. Um, We've created this site where any student can use our event builder to propose a title and then a short description for what will then be publicly listed as an hour-long conversation that any college student with a chef's account um, can sign up to attend. And they're all capped at seven students. And you sign up, and you get a link to this Zoom, um, and you join it whenever the event is. And there's a host who's meant to be sort of the leader of the conversation, the initial facilitator, um, and then the rest of the guests. And they come from schools literally around the world. are studying a variety of different things, have totally different but intersecting passions and, and sort of excitements towards things they care about in the world and a different array of past experiences. Um, and the host is sort of meant to to be the one to open the door to catalyze what often ends up being a really fascinating, organically created, product of the moment discussion. Um, and so their role is to pick this topic and then introduce the topic, whether that's through a short Google Slides presentation that they whip up, whip up or just ad-lib talking for a couple minutes about why they care about this topic and what their stake in it is and and then they're meant to ask a question and then open up the dialogue to the group and and be sort of like a ship captain of um, this, this space for discussion and interrogation and exploration and vulnerability amongst people who have literally never met. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the point of this platform is to try and harness the collective intelligence of our generation and empower every young person to see themselves as like a holistically interesting person with something to contribute to the world in terms of how, how they think and what they care about and, and to sort of make people realize that, you know, just by virtue of being alive, you have something that takes up your brain space and that something is always changing and you are multifaceted and, and there's something that you maybe know and, and are excited about a little bit more than other people. And so why not use that, use the most precious resource we have, which is our our own curiosity and propensity towards learning and sharing, um, and give that to the world. And so our motto is learn from each other. Um, of trying, trying to create these spaces that are halfway between like a seminar-style classroom in college and then like a super chill, relaxed hang with a couple friends um, and do something something in the middle, like sort of like casual, intellectual, which I don't even want to use that word because it almost seems inaccessible when the point of this is to say, hey, if you're willing to put down your phone and give time to other people and, and push yourself to engage and think and participate actively in a conversation in real time and not hide behind the screen. Everyone wants to do that. Everyone's excited about doing that. Everyone's capable of doing that.
1: Yeah, Chefs is really, we we talked about this a bit last time we chatted, Uh, Chefs is really a new space unlike anything other than exists. Um, Mm. But tell me a bit about the origin story. How how was Chefs created and also why is it called Chefs? I guess that's part of the origin story, (laughs) but uh, yeah, just take it from the top.
0: Totally. Thanks, Alki. Um, all right. So food, 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 (laughs) maybe you'll see the connection between the name chefs and food, um, was a super big part of my upbringing. Um, I dinner with my family every single night. Um, every couple months we would also host this party at our place in Brooklyn, um, and invite 30 to like, A 100 family friends and people we had just met to come to this potluck style um, event where you'd come and bring food and talk. And and so I grew up around all these really interesting people who were so interested in engaging intimately with other people there. And I was also... uh, I feel like always given a seat at the adult table. There was a rather there was no kids table in my family. It's like everyone has the right to come together and listen and participate in whatever conversation is happening at any given moment. Um, so I, I saw there how food had this power to bring people together. Um was this sort of excuse for this excuse that in some ways was ultimately Irrelevant or not not the larger value of what was happening, but the initial reason for people to gather, and then the product of that gathering would be conversation. Um, I just always walk away from family dinners and these parties just feeling so inspired and like I had so many new data points or access points towards things that I was excited about learning. And then when my brother was about four or five years old, he started getting really into cooking. I mean, maybe even earlier. He's 15 now, so we're five and a half years younger. His name is Roman. He's the coolest. Shout Um, out to Roman. (laughs) Shout out to Roman. Hi, Roman. (laughs) Um, Oh, he's going to love that. Um, But... Yeah, so he, he just started cooking all the time, obsessively, um, and then cooking for my family almost every night for dinner. He'd sort of wake up and pick a new cuisine and watch tons of YouTube videos on it, and he's become best friends with all of the people who work at all the grocery stores nearby. Um and and he just obsessively in love with food and, and the act of making food and and then my you know my parents and I sort of became his sous chefs and his assistants and he was the conductor in the kitchen and and we would sort of help him and then it would always result in an incredible meal that would once again be a forcing function for us to sit together and enjoy the fruits of his labor as well as all of the positive externalities, AKA conversation and sort of connection that would come through that. Um, so, my freshman year of Columbia, um, him and I decided to start this catering business called Teen to Table, a little play on farm to table, and sort of wrote up a description of what we wanted to do, came up with a couple menus, um, and sort of posted it all around our neighborhood, emailed everyone we knew, and then spent the next couple months going into different apartments and homes around New York City cooking for people. Um, and, and that was really amazing. It was really good to work with my brother and also sort of super empower him to be – it was it was a really good dynamic. Anyway, then summer happened, summer post-college and uh, – post-freshman year. And I went to London and worked at a startup there and sort of became privy to how, you know, adults with ideas take those ideas and, and manifest them um, and build them and and have a vision and execute on that vision and maybe a larger scale than I had ever – really seen as closely in my whole life. And so then I came back to college fall of sophomore year feeling like I had some understanding of the toolkit you needed to build. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, continuing this teen to table thing with Roman. And I was like, okay, this is really great. But I don't think I want to spend the rest of my life only cooking with my brother though. He's amazing, but you know, I want to create a way for tons of versions of young people to cook for other people. And, and, and that made me just sort of remember us long-term obsession I'd had with the platform and, and with, with how can, how can you create ways for anyone who's interested in doing something to then do it? Um, and so I thought, okay, let me create a way for other people, uh, to, to cook for other people and then i started thinking about okay well people which people every piece of advice i'd ever gotten was you have know, to think about like narrowing your demographic like who are you making something for who who would want this who's receiving this and i thought okay well the best demographic i have access to is college students they're right in front of me there are so many of them i am one um right so build something for yourself and that you know about um so I sort of put out some feelers amongst my grade to see how interested people were in cooking. I put out a survey kind of asking people, like, how much they cook, how much they'd want to cook, if, if they would ever go into another person's dorm and cook for them or have people over and cook for strangers, or whatever. And overnight, I got over 100 responses of people who were really felt like this was speaking to them in, in one way or another. Um, and so there was some interest, I could tell, that felt very sort of akin to my upbringing of, of dining as this central force of like, yeah, of, of engagement, of, of hanging out, of being together. Um, and then also sort of coupled with that freshman year was this incredible joy ride of just meeting so many people constantly, like being on this ridiculous high of New York City and youth and college and, 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 and academics and fun and joy. And I just met the most amazing people. Shout out literally everyone at Columbia my freshman year. Um, And then sophomore fall happened and everyone kind of like honed in on a smaller friend group, which was nice and important. And I think you get socially exhausted if you're talking to new people all the time. But I did feel like it was sort of like only hanging out with the same six people when there were 6,000 people at my school and all of whom each brought something very, very, very unique to this larger ecosystem that is Columbia or this you know, environment with a lot of really highly motivated and fascinating people. And sort of like didn't know in some ways, even as a really social person, how to connect with people outside of my friend group in a way that wasn't in the classroom, but also like wasn't at a party. Um, and so sort of thought gosh, like there's so many people here whose brains I want to pick, like the physics majors, the poetry majors, everyone, they all, there's a little bit that I can get and learn from all of them. I wish there was sort of a way for me to, to meet new people and, and have thematic conversations. Um, so there was that half of the story and then sort of this food bit. And I was like, oh my God, I think, I think there's opportunity here to combine the two. So I thought, okay, I'm going to create this platform for any student at Columbia to come up with an idea for some sort of novel dining experience. Um, And then they're going to put it on our website and they're going to open it up to maybe five, 10 other students, um, any student at Columbia. And so I went to one of my really good friends from freshman year, Pedro, who is an amazing artist and DJ and designer. And and he had sort of been a good co-brainstorming buddy for various ideas I'd had in the past. And I was like, hey, I, I really want you involved here. I think you can help. I think we can work together on this. And he was immediately like, I'm in. So he eventually became the co-founder of Chefs. We, we put together a website. A friend, Becca, helped us do it. Um, And then in February, January, February 2020, um, we launched a batch of about 15 dining experiences. Um, They ranged from a psychodrama dinner theater um, where this one kid, Alex, had about 10 people in the dining room of his house. and, And he was like... For like a live action play with a multi course meal, um, and so ten people that had never met before bought tickets for this and and came and ate and engaged. And another one was Tunisian tea sweets and chat. This girl Maya, um, who had just come back from her home in Tunisia a couple weeks ago for winter break, had brought back a bunch of um, Tunisian desserts and so had people over for tea and sweets and 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 so there's all these different instances of of people inviting other students to their homes or to their, you know, intimate spaces on campus, um, to literally just talk and again, use food as this initial reason for coming together. Um, and it, it was, it was really special and I'd never quite seen anything done like that. Um, and we sort of had plans for how to expand to other schools and, and I felt really good momentum and, So many people at school knew about this. um, And then COVID happened, of course. And so all of a sudden, the very thing we were trying to do, aka, you know, bring strangers together in intimate spaces and have them sharing food, was obviously just like quite the opposite of what was now permitted in our hyper-distance world. Um, And so Pedro and I were like, okay, shoot, what are we going to do? We just spent all this time working on launching something that now literally isn't feasible, like do we sort of work on the tech end of things and 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 kind of like be in stealth mode until school comes back? And then, you know, a couple weeks go by, a month goes by and you're like, oh, wow, I don't know when the old world in quotes is coming back. Hmm. It kind of seems like the world is really changing. I don't think I just want to sit here and wait until it all comes back because not only is that going to be a while, but also life does not pause it keeps going and if you don't react and respond to that then i think you're gonna have some sort of like false hope for what you know was gonna emerge again and sort of the better way maybe to view things is is as someone who can adapt and 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 sort of re reinvent in real time so we were like holy shit let's think about like an application of what we're doing in our larger mission um, that works in this new world. And, And we also realized that, you know, what students, a lot of college students were deeply missing at this point after a few weeks, after a month of being stuck at home was social interaction outside of their two, three, four best friends who they were maybe FaceTiming, but otherwise you completely missed and didn't have access to the super vibrancy and constant social universe that is college and campus life. And all of the casual, informal, like unplanned, spontaneous joys and experiences and learnings and growth and interactions um, that happen on a college campus. And so we're like, holy shit, why don't we just do chefs in a virtual format? And then we realized, OK, we're no longer bound to geography because what Zoom is actually really interesting for is, is making any kind of event or interaction open to people wherever. It cuts across geographies. So we're like, why don't we do a month batch of chefs events that are meals, but also sort of themed conversations. Um, and so we texted everyone we knew from high school, everyone from college and had people from about 30, 40 different schools, um, propose online events. Um, and we still had it tied to food at that point. Like example of one of the events was biotech and burritos. Um, so you'd bring a burrito and chat about biotech and, um, so that was the first time that, yeah, we, we posted these events. We had, we had, uh, we had um, students from different schools propose these events, put them on our site, and then any student from any school could sign up. Um, and after this first month, May, we just had hundreds of people come in and participate in these student-led discussions, and it felt like it was doing something really exciting and, and speaking to a need of, like, almost loneliness and isolation and lack of, like, stimulation and kind of like intellectual rigor almost that had been so like dampened and and made impossible by the limitations of covid and and also equally not only did it, it just like solve a need but it also like almost like accidentally created something new that i think people were really excited about and so we decided to keep doing it um and then we veered further and further away from food when we realized that, okay, it's no longer food that's the reason for people to come together. It's it's this topic decided by any student um, that will then be this force that everyone who attends the event will orbit around. Um, and so we just became this platform for young people to talk about what. Ever it is, occupying their brain space. Whoa, that was a lot of talking. Oki, cut me off. <laughs> no, the,
1: the story, I think the story of chefs is really incredible because even for me, when I, when my friend first told me about it, I was like, wow, finally someone did it because that exact conversation that you had with yourself of like, mm. wow, I'm at this amazing school. There are s- such interesting people around me, thousands of them. And we keep sticking to our own groups. And I thought that was such mm. a shame. So when I when mm-hmm. I heard about chefs, I was like, wow, like finally,
0: like someone did it. <laughs> mm. And <clears throat> what I think the chef space is trying to empower to make possible is a kind of like subversion of how we typically meet new people. So you, you get on chefs and, and, and sometimes, you know, you don't even introduce yourself. Just all of a sudden you start, you jump in and start talking about the subject at hand before you even know any personal detail about anyone there. And so, you know, after 45 minutes, you really start to get some sense of people's stake in the topic or people's opinion or, or how people's, you know, experiences have informed their opinion on the topic. And and then only later do you peel back and maybe you start to know where they're from or what they're studying or what their families are like. And and so I think this like exposure or commitment to like giving your mind to someone before you ramble off with maybe more like almost superficial or like sort of unchangeable facts about you. Um, sort it of just gives way to, to a bit of a fresh way of meeting new people and positioning like people's passions and curiosities at the forefront of what defines them as a person as opposed to like a reductive set of data and, and I don't know you think of just like Instagram profile and, and how that represents a person like Lola Lafia on Instagram as images you get to see what my friends look like or where I've been but in some ways it's it's a, it's a cool static capture of me but in some ways it doesn't communicate what I care about or what I think about or what I like to talk about and if you were to think of me on Chefs or anyone on Chefs and as sort of a composite of all the conversations I've been a part of and I've led and and what I'll continue to be a part of you just get a very different more holistic more generous in my opinion picture of what it means to be a human and a young person.
1: On what you quickly mentioned about like perceptions and how Chefs really turns around um, how people define themselves in a way I think it's mm. crazy that nowadays you know social media and Instagram play such an important role of how we perceive other people and and even subconsciously like I could I could sit here and say you know oh no I don't I don't judge people based on their Instagram but I feel like even subconsciously now you sort of do and I, I love that chefs doesn't put this kind of superficial stuff at the center, but instead someone's ideas. What are they about? What are they thinking Mm -hmm. about? And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's really special. There are a few things that I'd like to get into, but what really caught my attention about chefs is this focus on real-time, proactive conversation. Like you have to be there to experience it. Whereas nowadays it seems that most events um, and like online events especially have formats where you you can go back in your own time watch a recording of the event or like read a quick recap of what happened. Um, I'm curious, why did you choose this real-time format for chefs? And was it a conscious decision Mm. that
0: you made? Yeah, it's an amazing question. I think I have no desire to add to the noise that is our virtual environment and universe. There is so much content. I am so overwhelmed by the amount of content online and everything is recorded. You're right. It's almost like you never have to actually be there because you can always listen to it later. I, you know, all of the events, most of the virtual events outside of chefs that I've gone to, I um, remember lectures this year at the beginning, they always say like, you know, don't worry, it'll all be recorded later. You could watch it later. And obviously it's so good that things are recorded so that everyone can have access to content of all forms and ultimately of of course we we should have a library of almost everything that's ever happened like yes why not but also but also but also but also then like what's the incentive to even be there right and but also equally like no one ever fucking watches the recording like I don't know I just feel like we're I even notice myself sometimes I I hate the, like, save feature on Instagram just because I'll look at something for two seconds and then, like, save it. And I'll be like, okay, I'll just look at it later. But, like, there is no later. There is only now. There is only now. And I think that Chefs is just trying to say, like, look, if you're not interested in coming and participating in real time, then, like, that's okay. You can watch a YouTube video. This doesn't have to be for you. No hard feelings. But I think there is something really appealing in a space where like you have to be there or you're not. And that, that's it. That's, that's what it, that's what it's giving you. And that's what it's offering to you. And, and yeah, I mean, you got to be a part of the conversation presently there and, and that's where you're taking something away. It's the act of being there with these strangers in this intimate environment and, and talking and learning through talking and, and, and it's, it's the, the experience of the conversation while you're in it, I think, is the most valuable part. And there's nothing you have to work on or do or save or process later um, other than maybe like excitement or, or new things to check out that you've taken away from the conversation and to me it's like it's great to think of think of a topic think of a theme as the table as the dining table it's like philosophy is the dining table around which group of seven during a chef's conversation sitting around um and so that's why we haven't changed the name chefs because I think there are a lot of sort of symbolic metaphorical ties between what it means to sit down and eat together and then sort of what it means to sit down and, and be hyper present and sort of eat eat knowledge. Eat it up. Share it. Um communally communally cut it up and exchange it and and change it and and learn from it. You know? Wow, well,
1: I really feel that our Our little talk on chefs has has come full circle um, at the name of chefs and (laughs) also this metaphorical meaning of, you know, eating up information and knowledge and ideas and interactions. Um, But so now we're going to go into a section of the podcast that we refer to as real talk. So these are the questions that we all want to know the answer to, but are often too afraid to ask. And actually, I feel like we've been doing real talk (laughs) throughout this whole podcast. So this is going to be the real, real talk. Um, (laughs) If you could change one thing about society, what would it be? Okay, so I,
0: I was invited about a month ago to be a part of this group of like urban thinkers because I'm, I'm working at, at this company, Kibo, um, to to each write like a bit of an essay or almost a short, short story on an imaginary city. Um, and so we're going to compile them into an anthology. Um sort of us like dreaming about cities we'd like to live in or cities that could exist or, or futuristic cities, dystopian cities, etc. Um, and so my proposal was for something that I called the gap city. Um, and inspired by what I'm doing right now on this gap year, which is this incredible phrase that I both like am totally in love with, but also completely hate. I love it because like, what a Gift. I mean, you're on this gap. What is a gap? A gap is something I'm in this like liminal reality that's not even real. So there are no real repercussions. I'm very fortunate that that's the case, right? Like I can try to do things, try to get a job, try, but if it doesn't work, it's okay. You just go back to school. It's like this crazy safety net. Um, On the other hand, a gap sort of a gap year like undermines seems to undermine anything real that happens during this year. And I kind of realized the other day, like, wow, I haven't been in school for eight, nine months. I'm pretty sure this is my life now. Maybe it'll change in four months in the fall, but like, this is my life. This is actively, I'm actively living. This is not a gap. Like this is not a gap. Like, I may very well continue the path I'm on right now and, and, and sort of change course completely. And, and so, and so anyway, wrote this piece called Gap City. Um, and the idea was that sort of this, this world inside the real world that every year, so like having access to Gap City for a year would be, in my version of the story, a a fundamental human right. And so every year there's a new cohort of people who go to Gap City and it's a mix of people of all ages. Um, As anyone, whether you're 15 or you're 45, if you want to go to Gap City, During a particular year, you can cash in your right to Gap City. And so you get to Gap City, and it's a place where you're with this group of people you've never met before from around the world who have all decided to do Gap City that year, and you basically like completely build a society from the ground up. Um, And there are no pre-existing rules or infrastructure or establishments or institutions that you have to live under. And so then at the end of the year, the city disappears and you're sort of put back into the world that you lived in pre-Gap City. Um, But you leave with this empowered and boldened sense of the agency that, you actually have and then the ability to change systems and structures that you have because you've experienced building them yourself so obviously this is you know there are a lot of sort of kinks and details that I haven't worked out about how this works but the point is I wish that everyone could be given a kind of gap year at some point in their life where they were no longer tied to all of the responsibilities of their day-to-day life, but could be given the gift of, like, relentless exploration um, and growth and exposure to how you might do things differently than you've ever known before. And I think that a gap year, I just love this concept of a gap year. What can you learn in this gap year of this, like, fake world, even though, okay, you are actually living, so it's real, but a gap year Give, can we give this gift to everyone in the world what would they learn what would this give us how could this actually collectively better humanity
1: I think that's a phenomenal idea I don't know I'm just I'm just like visualizing it right now and how much I <laughs> I would love to have that and everyone should have that because I don't know okay so two things on my mind the first thing Tell is me. like um everyone or like most people are always, running, like, behind deadlines and running to catch the next bus and running Mm. to finish that assignment. And, you know, it's just, like, there's always a time ticking and it just never stops. And it can get, like, really stressful at times. And at other times, you know, you're not even conscious about it. But there's always, like, something to do, at least for, like, people like me who are heavy procrastinators. Um, And then the other thing that I was thinking is that a lot of people kind of spend their whole lives... um, you know, doing things career wise and kind of working up to that next milestone, the next raise, and then, you know, sometime sometime at the end of the horizon when maybe when they're like 40, 50, uh, 60 and they'll have enough uh, money or have felt that they've achieved enough, you know, then that golden mm. moment is gonna come when they're where they're gonna sit back and just do everything they wanna do mm-hmm. and read mm-hmm. all the books they wanna do want to. But we never yeah, so I think that's why this concept of the gap would be <laughs> genius because you know, you don't have to wait. You can just take a pause whenever you need it the most from life. And yeah, totally. I don't know. I think it's I think it's amazing. I think we should raise funding for this concept of a gap year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm down. Let's start a fund.
1: <laughs> All right. Next question from our real talk, Lola. What does success
0: mean to you? Um, I think that success is. Is like pleasure, and love, and and success is feeling. I think not always, but in moments, ecstatic and exuberant about life and being alive. Um, and I I can be really sad and down and contemplative and introspective. Of course, any, everyone is. Everyone's complicated, but success is creating a world for yourself that holds in high priority I think like joy and doing things that make you feel good um on top of having impact in the world and building something that's meaningful to you and I I I trust that people will do what they're meant to do and what they want to do so that's why my answer is not like Having impact on thousands of people like of of course I wanna build something that I love and that will also help people and give something to people. Yes, but but I think success is is when you can feel actually okay about your life and you can you can see maybe the purpose of of life and and you're excited to live. Yeah.
1: Thank you for your real talk, Lola, and for being so open and sharing a little piece of your mind with us today. Mm um we've got one more question uh, left in the talk tank yes if you could invite one person for a podcast interview um who would it be it can be anyone dead alive totally real, fictional
0: um i think uh, currently i would invite greta thunberg um i would love to interview her and talk to her she's just a beast she's incredible um like talk about youth mobilizing change and a shift in public consciousness around a really important issue um she's is, she is the coolest <laughs> hey Greta <laughs> I would love to talk to her <laughs> I agree
1: I'll, I'll try to get her on the talk tank if we, if we manage to I'll invite you to host. <laughs>
0: okay sounds good
1: Lola mm. thank you so much this has been so incredible in so many ways and so mm. empowering and inspiring and wow chefs is also incredible guys sorry i'm a bit like i got a bit carried away there but um i don't know (laughs) i recommend to all of our listeners check out chefs um host a conversation i think lola just told us that it's nothing intimidating you don't have to be an expert yes yes yes. i think it's incredible to you know go into this new space that just doesn't exist anywhere else It, it really doesn't um so, yeah, thank you, Lola, for sharing your time and your thoughts with us. And I'm excited to see what's to come for you and for chefs.
0: Thank you, Alki. This is amazing. The future is as literally bright as we want to make it. So uh, this was this was really fun. What a gift to be able to talk about this. Thank you so much. Thanks for
1: tuning in. See you next week and leave a message after the beep.